Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of That's My Jam Stack, the podcast where we ask the time-honored question, what is your jam in the jam stack? I'm your host, Brian Robinson, and this week we have our first ever That's My Jam Stack remix. We talked to today's guest about a year ago, and we're, and we're bringing him back to catch up. When we last met James, he was a software architect at FedEx doing Jamstack things on the side. Now James is a developer advocate at Auth0, bringing Auth flows and Jamstack education to developers everywhere. Before we dive into the episode, though, I want to thank this week's sponsor, who happens to also be Auth0. We'll talk more about their amazing educational content uh, at the end of the episode, but if you're curious about that Jamstack and Auth education, head on over to a0.to slash tmjyt. That's a0 is an auth0.to slash tmjyt. All right, James. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show again. Yeah, yeah. I am uh, super excited to be here. I know we haven't gotten to see each other in a long time now that we're not in the same city. So at least we can hang out and do a podcast together. I feel feel like it's probably the best alternative. Exactly. And for those listening that don't know, James and I used to uh, both live in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, He's still down there, but I have have since moved to the uh, the frosty north of the U.S. up in (laughs) Michigan. Yeah. So cool. Oh, so I was just going to say, like, I, I miss our like kind of planning meetings we would have like every month of just kind of checking in and see what each other was working on and bounce ideas back and forth. Yeah. yeah, And that, that also would have been different nowadays anyway, because we used to do that at coffee shops. True. And I'm yes. not sure we would have anymore. <laughs> Zoom for the win, I guess. Exactly. Which also means that we can do that, you know, anytime. True. Yes, that is. So, uh, so longtime listeners uh, will be familiar with you uh, from the old episode. This is a remix episode where we're catching up with you. So let's catch up. So the last time you were on, uh, you were jamming, I would say, in your spare time, <laughs> but you were working as a software engineer at FedEx. So yeah. I know a lot has changed for you. So let's catch up. What are you doing now in terms of work and on the side and all that good stuff? Yeah. Um, so I, I think when I went on last time was in October, November of last year. So it's been eight or nine months. But uh, shortly after that is when I decided to leave FedEx. And I really was, I just wanted to get more into DevRelly type stuff. So doing uh, video content, speaking at conferences, um, and just joining like an exciting, like younger um, startup-y feel to a company. So anyway, all of that kind of came to fruition for me to join Auth0 back in January of this year. And I think I did I did one trip and two conferences <laughs> and everything stopped. So we've yeah. had a big transition to we've talked a lot about this personally, but uh, to doing live streams on Twitch and creating more YouTube content and that sort of stuff. So it's been a little bit of a transition, but it's been that way for everybody, I think. Um, so anyway, yeah, I have been working for Auth0 now for uh, however long it's been, seven months, and it's been going really well. Nice. And so, so at Auth0, you said, you know, you're, you're, you're getting more into DevRel-y type stuff. So uh, what do you do as a DevRel at Auth0? Yeah. Um, so if people are familiar with the idea of developer advocates in general, it's, or my definition is really just like earning trust and respect in the community. Uh, and that can take shape in a lot of, or take form in a lot of different shapes, take shape in a lot of different forms. <laughs> yeah. um, there's a lot of it would be like speaking at conferences. So again, that's kind of on hold for the time being, at least in person. It could be being at meetups in person. Uh, again, that's on hold or at least virtually for the time being. And then in addition to that is creating content uh, that people enjoy. Uh, we are specifically looking to grow our YouTube channel and Twitch channels. Got an ambassador program that 
uh, Sam Juline on my team is working on to help get some people uh, to kind of represent our brand and help them kind of grow some of their skills in public speaking and content creation and that sort of stuff too. Um, so yeah, that's that's the kind of activities that that we're doing. And I've done lots of virtual events and conferences and stuff, which has been interesting, but I would definitely love to to be back in person sometime soon. Yeah, definitely. Like like the uh, the virtual stuff can be a lot of fun and you can reach a lot of people, but mm-hmm. uh, n- nothing quite beats uh, the random interactions you get when you're at an in-person event. That's right. The hallway track is what uh, exactly. what a lot of people will refer to. And it is it is a very powerful, uh, powerful and enjoying or enjoyment fun track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it, it's just it's nice to hang out and just have have just random asides with people. So mm-hmm. so let's talk a little bit about the Jamstack at Auth Zero. Also, like just how you're utilizing uh, Jamstack philosophies now professionally and personally. Like in in the in the first episode, you were primarily doing it in your spare time. Mm-hmm. Uh, FedEx not having done a whole lot in that world yet. Uh, but what what's different? How's how's Auth Zero pursuing kind of the Jamstack, and how are you changed in the way that you pursue it personally now? Yeah, I think on the the personal side, it's it's kind of similar, although I've done a lot more. So still still running my YouTube channel, doing a video a week, and a lot of that recently has revolved around the Jamstack. So I've done a Jamstack crash course, um, actually two Jamstack crash courses. Mm-hmm. I've done things on serverless functions, um, getting into Next.js, uh, which is mm-hmm. pretty exciting for me. I'd been kind of putting that off for a long time because uh, I'd used Gatsby and serverless functions in Netlify. Now with that stuff kind of all tied together in Next.js is really interesting. So that uh, personal stuff is not that different, although I've got more experience and I'm doing more content. It's still the same, like I'm working on it on my in my spare time. Mm-hmm. And then for Auth0, when I started in January, we had kind of some targeted audiences that we really wanted to get more engaged in. And we had been really engaged in the Angular communities. I think we had two or three people at the time that were Angular uh, experts, I guess, like GDEs on the Angular side, I guess is what what that is. And so they had like really strong relationships there, but we didn't have relationships in like React and Vue and and really the Jamstack in general. And so with that being mentioned to me as focuses, it it was just kind of an opportunity for me to really lean into it. So again, like creating content around that, I just released a um, a Next.js and Auth Zero video on the Auth Zero channel on YouTube. And that's a lot of where our conversations lead and the activities and things that we do is like in this Jamstack world that is is different than what a lot of people are used to. How do we do authentication? And, and that's been kind of fun to dive in and create some demos and explore with these different technologies in the Jamstack and then tie that back to all zero and kind of figure out how these pieces fit together. Yeah, definitely. I feel like there's there's a perception in the world, and obviously there's been hot drama in the uh, in the Jamstack world recently with uh, with WordPress and all that good stuff. But there's uh, there's this feeling that the Jamstack has certain limitations to it. Now, those of us who are in in the world and and using it regularly know that we can do most things with it. But one of those big limitations would be around the personalization, the authentication area, and it seems like Auth Zero can be a, a big player in. Uh, circumventing the issues that might come with statically generated sites. Yeah, um, and I think this is where the idea of static, statically generated sites or static sites—it's—it's it's that misnomer, right? That, like you said, people that aren't like intimately involved think of it as being just literally like just HTML, right? But we forget that Jamstack includes JavaScript, so we can basically do anything 
in our JavaScript that we want. And that's kind of where Auth0 is fitting into here. We've done uh, some work with integrating Auth0 into Gatsby. And a year or so ago, we actually had a guide, and this is an approach that some people still take, where you can have uh, certain pieces, certain routes, for example, inside of Gatsby or other frameworks that are protected. And you do something differently with those where you kind of like override the built-in routing in Gatsby. And then you uh, add your logic to those specific routes. Everything else just kind of acts as is. But the interesting thing with Gatsby is it has this hydration aspect Mm -hmm. to it where um, they, I mean, you can do whatever you want, right? Like with Gatsby, you think of them and you hear of them as a static site generator, but it's really, I forget exactly what phrasing they prefer to go (laughs) with, but with the hydration process in React, you can do whatever you want with a regular React application. And so we've started to uh, create some content around just like tying in uh, all zero into Gatsby. And you can, uh, there's, there's not really much of a limitation there. Like there's a couple of very subtle tweaks that you have to do to incorporate that into Gatsby versus just regular React. But it like after you do those couple of things, it works just the same as it would. And we have a new React SDK. I say new, it's been a few months now, <laughs> but we have the new React SDK and and to me, it just makes it so easy, so easy to incorporate into your app. And then you get access to these hooks. Uh, so you're using modern React. You're getting all the things that you need about the user. And you can access it in your application uh, wherever you need it. Nice. And so so it, se- it seems to me like like it, that's working in, in Gatsby because you kind of integrated with Gatsby about a year ago. And then you kind of move in. Like you said, you're moving into the the next world a little bit where... You've got like API routes that you can have. You can have the hybrid model with Next where you can have like some routes being generated statically and some uh, some fully directly like server side. Uh, do you see like that hybrid model catching on at all? Or is it or, or do you see like static is still being a, a pretty big way of going in the uh, in the Jamstack world? Yeah, I for me, I'm kind of all about Next.js right now. I think Ultimately, it gives you the flexibility to do both, right? So like if if I decided Next.js was going to be my framework going forward, there I could do the same thing I could accomplish in Gatsby with Next.js. And I would argue, like I've done a YouTube video on the comparison of these two recently, like Gatsby is more optimized in terms of its ecosystem and its documentation for static, just because that's kind of where, um, where it focused. Next.js can do those things. They're just maybe less like plugins. So you may have to figure out a little bit more to yourself. But... You can do it all. So for me, I love the flexibility of Next.js. I love that it still fits into the Jamstack because your API routes, even though you kind of, you can basically treat them as if it's like a Node application. Like it looks it looks almost the same as what you do if you built a Node app from scratch. But the output of a Next.js app or the deployment of it is the, it's just serverless functions. And you can obviously deploy to Vercel, which is where those are made by the same company, right? So that's kind of an optimized process. But you can also host in, in Netlify and other places as well. I don't know. I just, I love, I like the idea of being able to have more of the traditional web app in the sense that like you have server-side rendering, but it's still in the Jamstack and still works really well with all the things that we expect out of a Jamstack site. You just spoke pretty passionately about about Next.js. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to ask, so... so what would you say that your jam in the jam sack is right now? And I think if I went back and listened correctly <laughs> to uh, to the old episode, I think we were talking Gatsby a decent bit back then. Yeah. Um, but what's your favorite service right now, or maybe philosophy framework? What makes you love the jam sack now as opposed to ten months ago? Yeah, Next.js is definitely one that's been kind of an eye opener for me. So, like you said, I'm I'm talking passionately about it. I've been excited <laughs> about it. I actually just recorded 
um, a two hour course that's going to be on the LCR YouTube channel. So mm-hmm. people go and check that out in the next uh, next couple of days or week at the very most. Um, and it's it is Next.js, Airtable, Auth0, and Tailwind CSS. So Next.js for its flexibility is amazing. I have used uh, Airtable in a lot of my demos since then mm-hmm. for, um, I, I mean, it's a pretty powerful database, um, but it has such a great SDK to work with and it's really quick to set up and it just looks great. So I've done that with data a lot recently. I've also used FaunaDB a good amount recently as another alternative um, database for the Jamstack. And they really advertise themselves as being optimized and targeted at the Jamstack. And they've got this uh, this GraphQL layer that they basically like set up for you. And I've never written a GraphQL server from scratch, so I don't actually know like what it's like to do that. I've just used tools that take care of it for me, and FaunaDB is one of them. And there's a couple of other services. Uh, one is Cloudinary that I've like started looking at since uh, since last November. And you and I are both media developer experts, which is indeed not necessarily a, a Cloudinary pitch, but it is sponsored by Cloudinary. And uh, I've really enjoyed diving into learning more about media and doing transformations and storage and things like that in Cloudinary. So I think ultimately it it comes down to there's like the Jamstack is so cool because there's now systems out there to do like every aspect of, of features that you might be looking for in an application. And some people might look at that and, and say like, well, that may be more expensive or I could just build it myself. And that's true. But the exciting thing for me, again, is like, I don't have to build it all. And if I want to build an application, I don't have to worry about all the specific details in these different categories. Like those things can be taken care of for me through these third party services. Yeah, and I think I had a conversation the other day. I don't remember who with, but uh, you know, it was like you can, you certainly can build all these things yeah. from scratch on your own server. Mm-hmm. But why the hell would you want to? <laughs> I like, and I think I was actually having this conversation specifically around Auth zero, right? Like, I it was uh, I could build an entire Auth workflow. Like, it wouldn't be that I, I would hesitate to say it wouldn't be that hard because security is always hard, but like yeah. I could do that and I could use like, a, you know, user databases and stuff like that. But like, why would I want to create that flow from scratch? Or mm-hmm. why would I want to set up uh, image transformations from scratch? Or why would I want to even go in and create these images from scratch at these different sizes? Like that all sounds like a headache to me. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's one of the big conversations for us. The the phrase that we use is build versus buy. And if you look at authentication specifically, like yeah, I've done it before and like I followed in West Boss's Node course back in the day. Like you do all the authentication stuff in Node and you do JWTs, JSON web tokens and you send them back and forth and it it works really well. But the thing that that you forget or you need to at least consider is like all right, basic authentication works. Um, it's not too bad. Um, it still worked, but it's not too bad. But then you get into like, all right, what features do I need on top of that? And something like something like a password reset, that's it's not a, a simple flow to do. I think West Boss actually covers it in that course. But there's logic to that, right? Because you have to track, like you send them a special code and you store that in the database and you have to have an expiry time on it. And you have to check all that stuff. It's doable, um, but it's getting a little more complicated. And then you get into like, all right, what if I want to include other social providers. I want to do Twitter and GitHub and Google and that sort of stuff. And you can go through their documentation and you can find a way to put it together, but you're getting more difficult. Then you think about like multi-factor authentication and like passwordless login and all these things. 
And like, that's where you start to realize like, eh, this may not be worth my time to build out all of these other features as well as stay on top of like all of the security threats that are, that are out there. I mean, those things change on a daily basis. And if you're a person or a small team, it's really hard to make sure that you're really, really taking care of your applications at all times. So that's when you start to realize like, all right, maybe it is worth just like having someone else take care of that part for me. And we, I, I was actually in a conversation uh, on uh, uh, an episode of That's My Jam Sack leading up to this one uh, about like the weakest point in uh, an application isn't the code necessarily. It isn't a specific feature. It's kind of the developer writing it. And so if you are not a security expert or you are not a media expert or you are not a X feature expert and you write that, you then become kind of the weakest link in your code base. And why not defer to an expert in that field and write the feature that you care about, not the feature that you have to have to make it work? Absolutely. There's an interesting perspective on that too of like who becomes the expert because I've, I've been in the situation where, you know, we, we are tasked with coming up with a solution to something and maybe it's authentication maybe it's a million different things and developers that aren't experts in that at companies where they have they're not super siloed so they kind of work on whatever needs to be done or figure out what needs to be done they're not experts right but if they are the people who then start to build something out and they're doing the research and they're trying to figure it out internally they become the experts and that's probably not the the person that you actually (laughs) want to be that expert because that person and I've been in this situation, I'm watching YouTube videos and I'm like taking courses and reading articles to figure it out. But that's not my area of expertise. I'm just trying to fit these pieces together. So like the idea of like, who is the expert? There's the actual expert. And then there's the person internally that people look to as the expert. And that person only knows so much. Yep. The organizational expert. And then it's the, uh, it's the bus problem, right? What if, what if that person gets hit by a bus or, you know, leaves the company? Like then who becomes the expert then? It's kind of you, you keep adding links to this chain and they are progressively weaker links. Like I think we talked a lot about the bus problem at FedEx, <laughs> yeah. but it's still a huge problem or it was when I was there. Of There's still only so much knowledge that you can pass around to people without taking like really dedicated time to get them deep into it. Well, and that's I think one of the things that... I, that I personally love about the Jamstack in a lot of ways is that if you are a front-end developer and you take a look at a code base that is built decently with Jamstack philosophies, you can probably reason about it uh, as opposed to if you come in and there's a large-scale node ecosystem like at some new company that you're working for, it's going to take you much longer than if you're like, all right, well, I know... Uh, I know React, so therefore this company using Next, I'm I'm good to go to like start reasoning about what they're doing. Oh, you know, I know how to use APIs, therefore I can kind of trace how the data is flowing through, you know, from FaunaDB or from you know some provider where that data is coming from, because it's all in the end some amount of JavaScript, and as long as it hasn't been written too spaghetti-ish, <laughs> uh, you should be able to reason about it in some way without without a lot of institutional knowledge, which is what the bus problem is kind of all about. Yeah. And that's where, again, like the idea of having these services that take care of that stuff for you, like now your knowledge is is on the stuff that's most important to your business, right? Like you, like the authentication piece is not special to your business. It's just a requirement for your business to be successful. 
the media management is um, or transformations or optimizations on images. Digital asset management. Yes, <laughs> just buzzwords all around. But your digital assets man a- asset management <laughs> is again probably not something that like that's your core logic. It's just a piece of your application. So now you spend more time focusing on not only building, but like internalizing and having the knowledge around the stuff that's important to you and your application. What makes your application, your business, your website special? Work on that. Don't work on the things that everyone has because they have to have it. Yeah. Nice. So uh, let, let's pivot away from technology. Um, and to be honest, I didn't make it all the way through the episode uh, from from last October, but... Uh, and I don't really remember what you said about your musical choices back then, but what's your actual musical jam right now? What are you listening to? What gets you pumped? One is still the same. Um, back in November or whenever that was, it was Jason Aldean, a uh, country artist. And I was listening to him on repeat. And like now I'm listening to like, uh, my wife has a pretty good station on just like modern country, which we listen to a lot. But I also still listen to a lot of Jason Aldean. And then I've also been listening to, um, for several months now, an artist called Rod Wave. Uh, and this is a rap artist. So if you're into rap, um, you check it out. If you're not into rap, you probably won't enjoy it. Uh, but my tastes are kind of all over the place. So from Jason Aldean on the countryside to Rod Wave on the rap side is what I've been listening to a lot recently. Nice. Weird, weird question. <laughs> all about the weird question. <laughs> yeah, because like I, I'm, I'm with you in a lot of ways on like, what I listened to a year ago is not drastically different from what I listen to today. Do you find that that's just kind of how you live your life or has that changed and have you become less adventurous over the years with your musical tastes? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've become less adventurous. I think I've always gone through cycles of like finding finding an album of some sort that I like, like in the back in the day, it might've been like a mix CD that I've made myself. And that was the thing that I listened to. But I think I've always kind of like gone through these phases of who I listen to. And some of it, I actually, like I, I mentioned, my wife having really good playlists, like she's much better at listening to, to Pandora and then paying attention to the random stuff that she hears. And then now she's got that many more things that she knows of and wants to listen to. I'm not as good at being random. And I think that's, I think I've just kind of been that way. Um, so I am I am always looking for trying to find new music in theory, but it's also like I just enjoy the stuff that I enjoy. And yeah. uh, sometimes I just keep running with that instead of venturing out and finding new things. I just find that as as I age, I think about these things a little bit more. I'm like, am I just set in my ways and while I listen to the same four albums over and over again for the rest <laughs> of my life? I don't know. And that, I mean, that may not be a bad thing. It's all about what you enjoy, right? True. Yeah. Wh- whatever makes you live your best life. Nice. So. What would you like to promote and get out to the Jamstack world before we let everyone go? What, what what are you doing right now that you want to share out there? Yeah, I am. So I don't know when this will be released. And it may be, this podcast may be released by the time, or my what I'm about to talk about might be released by the time the podcast uh, comes out. But I'm working on my very first ebook as part of a two-week product challenge where you create a product in two weeks. And the ebook is uh, the developer's guide to creating or starting a YouTube channel. And it's all about like, how do you get started? And like, here's tips and tricks and software and hardware and things that you can use. But also, what are the benefits and why you should do that as a developer? So uh, by the time you listen to this, this will probably already be deployed. So you can check out youtubefordevelopers.com and check out that ebook there. And then uh, just in general, uh, still doing lots of stuff on my YouTube channel at James Q Quick. And then also on the Alciro side, I'm really starting to give a big focus to uh, continuing live streams, but also doing a lot more video content. 
on the Aut0 YouTube channel. So A-U-T-H-0. And uh, go and check it out. We uh, probably by the time this podcast comes out, this uh, crash course or mini course with Next.js, Airtable, Auth0, and Tailwind CSS, another hot buzzword, uh, will be out. And I think that one is uh, pretty cool because it walks through like the entire authentication workflow in the Jamstack and tying these technologies together. Nice. So, so uh, I'll have all those links in the show notes. I do want to take a, take a half a second and talk about the the ebook, right? Because you've been doing video content uh, for a long time. I've I've been doing it for a decent bit too. Um, and I would say that if you watch some of my first episodes, I'm sure you probably would agree with some of your first episodes of of you know tutorials in video form. Uh, the differences between that and what you and I are both doing now <laughs> are pretty drastically different. So, w- would you say that hopeful that you're hoping maybe the ebook can help people skip over some of uh, our earlier hurdles? Absolutely, yeah. And I think I, that's definitely a part of it. I, I, I want to say like it's not necessarily going to be a focus throughout the entirety of the book, but I think one of the big focuses is just to try to convince people that like, yeah, you're nervous about it and you're worried about like, what if people judge me? What if I get negative comments? What if nobody watches it? But I I really want to encourage people like none of that shit matters. Like just do your first one and see what happens. And like if if you didn't enjoy it and if it doesn't work out well, that's fine. But like try it because there are these, there's so many benefits to it. Like it, it goes on your resume. It gives you experience with speaking. There are all these other benefits that come along with it that like I just I hope that I'm able to encourage some people to create their first video and what happens from there. Like hopefully some of the tips help too. But just getting that first video is such a big accomplishment for people. And I kind of find find it's it's very similar with blogging. Like blogging's the the super low barrier to entry uh, thing. Mm-hmm. But like if you struggle with an issue and figure out how to fix that issue, that means that there's at least at least one other person in the world that has struggled with that issue and would find whatever content you create about it probably insanely helpful. Absolutely. Yeah, I've always always been a big um, fan of like no matter no matter how little you think you know, whatever or how small something is that you learn, like somebody else, like you said, doesn't know that thing. So now you're providing the resource for them, but also you're providing the resource for you. Like I can't tell you from the articles and, and videos that I've done, how many times I've gone back and searched for that thing and I find my video or article. And that just goes to show you like, you may know something now, you might forget it. And now you need a reference, but also like people are going to have that same issue. So there's always an audience. Now you have to kind of figure out how to get it in front of them. But even if people don't see it, it could be a useful thing for you. And I'm, I'm also going to give you one one more shout out that you didn't mention. Uh, James, James also has a, a Discord server uh, where there's a bunch of developers all kind of in there learning. I, I'm a member of the Discord server, so you can always come chat with me in there if nothing else. But uh, but no, it's, it's an active little community and I, I've enjoyed seeing it grow over the past few months. That's been a really cool thing. I didn't really know what to expect in starting a Discord. Uh, I didn't know how it would grow. I didn't know how the community would get along together. And we're at, I think, like 400 people almost exactly now. And this is after two or three months, which is really cool. And the community is great. People are so supportive. They're always sharing resources. They're asking questions. It's been just fantastic. Um, so I'll give you a link to, uh, to Discord if you want to throw it in the, in the description as well if people are interested in joining. I certainly can. Yeah. Cool. Well, James, I appreciate you coming on. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing the ebook when it comes out, uh, which it may already be out when this is actually going on. But, you know, time is a weird thing. Um, so yeah, keep doing the amazing things you're doing and uh, maybe we'll have you on another year from now and we'll see uh, the differences that a year makes. Uh, yeah, I'd be excited to do like the, what is that at that point? The remix times two, I guess. <laughs> it's it's the uh, the 
uh, I don't know, there's a song that's like the remix to Ignition where there wasn't an actual first song. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the remix to the remix. It'll be great. Thanks again to James for being on the show. And thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in week after week. Be sure to star, heart, or favorite in your podcast app of choice. Now it's sponsor time. This week, we're lucky to have Auth0 back as our sponsor. Auth0 is an amazing authentication platform, but they also have a wealth of amazing content coming out regularly on their YouTube channel, including a free course called Full Stack Jamstack with Next.js. If you're interested in learning more about Next, taking the Jamstack further, or authentication on the Jamstack, head over to a0.to slash tmjyt. That's T-M-J-Y-T for their YouTube channel. That's it for this week, but until next time, keep doing amazing things on the web and keep things jammy.